Last night, after Fantasy Points Best Ball Breakdown went off the air, well, Jacob and Scott could not, uh, well, they could not let it go. So we kind of thought of this wonderful idea. Why don't, why don't we have Scott clear his super important fantasypoints.com schedule where he's doing a ton of work over there with rookies and just, just cancel all that and have him right here on the full tilt dynasty podcast. Once again, last time Scott was here, uh, Jacob was going beat red discussing sky Moore and Christian Watson and all those fun rookie wide receivers. Well, we're at it again. We're doing a full rookie rundown, first round, dino, redraft. And after that, well, wherever these guys' conversations take us, I'm along for the ride. I can't wait. I know you all can't wait. Let's get dialed in for the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. It's Friday night, and that can only mean one thing. You're here with us, and we thank you for that. I want to give a quick shout-out to these sponsors, of course. That's Trophy Smack. You can use our promo code FULLTILT, F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T. You can also use the same promo code at Underdog Fantasy. That's FULLTILT, F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T. And shout-out Rebellion Brewing, one of the best breweries, breweries in Saskatchewan today. If you're a Canadian, if you are a beer drinker, these guys are the brand for you. Look, we have Jacob Sanderson. He's fitting us into his busy schedule. We have Scott Barrett, as I mentioned, the man, the myth, the legend over at fantasypoints.com. Uh, Scott, you have so much stuff going on, and there's so much exciting stuff coming next week. We appreciate you, again, clearing <laughs> the schedule. Uh, look, I will tell you, I will not be the one to cut this pod short. Uh, I know last night that was a topic of contention. It will not be me. It'll be up to you. But today, gentlemen, we're going to go right in because news and notes. There's 672,421 particles, uh, uh, podcasts, articles, uh, websites where you can get that information from. That's not what you come here for, right? That That's not it. So we're not going to bore you with that. We're going to go right in to the top 12 rookies right now. We are using underdog because everyone's drafting on underdog right now. Even if you're not, you should go and do that and join the online sensation. Uh, looking at the 2023 season super flex rankings for this discussion. Um, Scott guest of honor. Where would you like to start today? Yeah, we'll start with the, my one Oh one in super flex. That's Bijan Robinson. Everyone's one Oh one. Unless exactly. you're like a crazy, well, crazy contrarian a, out there. I was going to say. I've seen not, it. I've seen it, I think, three times. I've done I've done 59 rookie drafts. 56 out of 59, Bijan Robinson went 101. But three yeah. for 59, he did not. He went 102 in only one of my rookie drafts, and that was a draft where I was 102. So that, that was awesome. Nice. My only Bijan pickup. Uh, yeah, not at all controversial. Um I don't know. To me, he's uh, 
equivalent to Saquon Barkley coming out, maybe a lesser receiver, better runner equivalent to Zeke, similar runner, probably a little more upside as a receiver. Um, he's awesome. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the more interesting thing would be uh, from a redraft perspective, just any thoughts Great. on Bijan and his, his prospect profile? Uh, for redraft, I mean, I think he's the safest of the round one running backs, which is like funny because I don't think people think of rookies as inherently safe, but round one rookie running backs in redraft is usually one of the most reliable bets you can make outside of they break their foot before the season starts or their Clyde Edwards Hill air. Um, basically, if you eliminate those two avenues, you're pretty solid. Um yeah, I, I think like we can quibble about will Tyler Algier see like a 25% rush share or a 32% rush share, but I think Bijan is as safe as it gets for being like at least a mid RB1. I think the issue is just can you foresee that like 20 plus, 22 plus point per game season, especially for talking about a PPR format, where in a climate that wide receivers are going higher than ever, I think like your threshold for investing in, in a running back has to be higher than ever. And so I think the question is just, is that the guy you're willing to take? Like I, I think just from a build perspective, from an age perspective, like I'm more comfortable. I feel less like I'm taking on less risk clicking him versus Eckler and CMC, but not sure if he has like that truly breaking fantasy ceiling in the context of the Atlanta offense. But Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I've been like just slightly below market in redraft. What about you guys? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have any exposure to Bijan. When I say redraft, I mean best ball. Like, I haven't actually drafted a managed redraft <laughs> right, yet, right. just for the record. Yeah, yeah I don't think I'll have right. any exposure to Bijan in redraft or best ball this year. Well, none. Especially yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, if I'm doing, like, 100 teams, like, of course, I'll have a, a significant percentage that's below the typical uh, 12% or yeah. whatever it is. Um, How many best ball teams are you drafting, Scott? Out of curiosity. Like, I was going to go all, I was going to go all in on August, but right now the only drafts I've done are the drafts I've done with Chris with a typically okay. a guest who heavily influences it. Um, I'm there sense. too. I don't have a, a great reasoning. Like I, I think he's awesome. Uh, this is a run heavy offense that has uh, had a lot of hyper efficient seasons from various running backs on the ground. Tyler Algier through the air, Cordell Patterson. This is, a player who profiles as an Uber bell cow. Um, but I don't know. It, it could also just be he's Tyler Algier from last year with, you know, maybe two more targets per game and it just doesn't really move the needle. I don't know that this is an offense I'm excited to be invested in. Uh, I don't know how many red zone trips they're going to have. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, he's just not someone who excites me at ADP and I, I haven't written him up for the bell cow report yet. Uh, so I don't know, maybe you could sway me. It seems like you're, no, I don't think I will. Like I have a pretty good projection on Bijan, but I'll be honest. I I've, I've done my projections for him and I actually have Jonathan Taylor projected slightly higher, which I, I agree with that yeah. to have Speaking going of. forward. Like I have, um, I have Bijan projected at 17.16 fantasy points per game. And that's like taking a very bearish stance on Tyler Algiers usage. I have Bijan Robinson, and I project health. Like I don't project injuries. I don't do it for anyone. I just think it's like, it just takes on unnecessary complications for trying to build upside cases. So I have a healthy carry share on him at 290 carries compared to just 92 for Algier, 33 for Cordero Patterson um, and over 26 unassigned. Um, 
I have him at an 11% target share. I think both those are pretty optimistic. I mean, mm. you start with 17 points per game, you start running over in touchdowns, you start running over in efficiency, you can get there. But like, I have his efficiency high. Like, I, I already have him projected for over five yards per carry. Um, so there's not like a ton of room to go beyond that. So I, I do think like, I can't really take any more carries away from Algier. I haven't barely seen the ball. Um, I could maybe go higher on the target share, but I don't think it's going to be immense, like barring a Pitts or London injury. Uh, so it's really like, how good is the offense? Like right now I haven't projected for 11 and a half touchdowns. Like if the offense is really good, then I guess maybe he could get up to 19 or 20 touchdowns. That's like within his personal range of outcomes. But in the context of the Atlanta offense that I currently have projected for under 40 touchdowns as a team, like probably it's not going to get over 15, right? I think that'd be that'd be a stretch. And just at his price, like what his cost is, there's just other running backs that I could project similar outcomes to for significantly cheaper, especially if you're talking about a super flex redraft. When you're talking about you're going to have to pass on some quarterbacks, right? Some wide receivers, the CD Lambs and AJ Browns. And you could, you know, kind of pair a Saquon Barkley, a Tony Pollard, a Mondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, guys that even Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs, Later, I think you're right. I think the clear path to game-breaking year one redraft status is cloudy. I, we all love him. We all love uh, – um, oh, my gosh, Bijan Robinson. But there's just other guys that I'm willing to hitch my wagon to in redraft this year. Remember when Zeke went mid-round one as a rookie? Uh, he fell into, like, the nuts landing spot with uh, – coat you know the the running back the year before i guess demarco murray probably just uh finishes the rb1 or it was the year before that it was easily the best offensive line in football um to me like irrespective of price there's very little difference between Bijan, jonathan taylor nick chubb tony pollard derrick henry josh jacobs and then you add in price and then it's like why why would i take him there uh so I'm something of a coach speak guy. Um, Oof, I don't know that this factored. Yes. I don't know this factors into like my projections or my rankings, but I, I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, after drafting him immediately after the post-draft press conference, Arthur Smith said, um, listen, he's not CPAT, but he is a, a competent pass catcher. Uh, but listen, Tyler is a very important part of this offense. They're different players. They're both yards after contact guys, but they go about it in different ways. Uh, and then he like talked about, we, we brought this up in the show last night. He talked about uh, Kyle Pitts. He's like, uh, listen, we talk about Kyle Pitts at, at nauseum. Sure, the yards weren't there, but he had a major impact on winning. And that's what we care about here. The impact Bijan has on winning is what we're really excited about. Basically, saying like I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about touches or. The coaches how the do this every single year, with, like, and and the industry does this every year. Like, didn't we have to just go through like four months of Michael Carter's going to get more work than you think bullshit last summer? Yep. Like every it was year. like every day you logged on, you'd be like, oh my god, Michael Carter's going to get more work than you think, and then like what happened? It was like in week one, they both played roughly equal snaps. And then it took like two weeks for them to be like, Oh, Brees Hall's way better than this guy. And then he got all the work. Like, sure. I, I don't know. Like I in week one, don't... maybe Tyler Algier is going to get like a 45% rush share, but Bijan Robinson's way better than Tyler Algier. 
So I don't, I actually don't think that happened. If you look at Michael Carter's usage, like he was at 60, 60, 50, 45, 42, 50, 73% snap share. Brees Hall got hurt somewhere around that stretch. Uh, it was just no. that they were so running back centric in part due to Mike White, I think. Uh, no, this that... is fake. This is completely fake news. This is completely no, it, fake the, news. The usage was there. Michael and Carter. Guess what? Michael what are they Carter doing this year? Started to get this 60, year, they're, 61, they're and then trying to the sign party. Dalvin 73 Cook. 73 is after they drafted hurt. a running back. Dalvin Cook sucks. Like Dalvin Cook is, I, this is an unemployed backup running back that the fantasy community cares so much about despite the fact that the only known offer that he received is probably like a million and a half from Miami, which is why he isn't already there because the offer is clearly insulting to his sensibilities, but his overrated capacity to play football. Like I don't understand why we talk about Alvin cook differently than we talk about Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott. He's completely washed. Like so I, I'm so I dis- tired of Dalvin cook. I disagree. I think Dalvin is significantly the least washed of the free agency running backs. Uh, He's been really good up until last year when he was really bad. And I think that was a function of the shoulder that's been bothering him for years. And he said this, he said, yeah, you know, it really got into my head. I was less aggressive. I was less uh, uh, willing to take on contact than I've been in the past. And then he finally had that surgery to fix it. Ideally, I, I think there's still potential there. But but regardless, it's just me saying that I think Salah is a guy who wants a committee backfield. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Algier has way more work than uh, people are hoping or expecting. Yeah. But how much would he really need to possibly uh, Nick's Bijan's ultimate upside as a player? Like we're not talking about a guy who's probably seeing a 40% rush share on the season. There's no way it'd have to be possibly. No, no, but when you're talking about the RB three in drafts, that is significant. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the cost for the wide receivers. I have no issue. Like, I would, Bijan Robinson is my RB2 in redraft, like where I would take him. I have no problem with that. I'm not drafting Austin Eckler. Um, He's, he might be my 101 in redraft, non best ball. For sure. I just have no, I just have no interest um, in like this draft environment. Like, I I don't want to take on exceptional risk at the running back position. And, Unless the, the ceiling is disproportionate. Austin Eckler is a 28 year old running back. Who's not very effective on the ground. Like everything yeah, doesn't, it doesn't profile, matter when his you're receiving leading profile the and his receiving profile was tied to an offense that was non-functional. And now they changed how their offense works to a coach who continually prioritized pass blocking over pass receiving on passing downs. Tony Pollard was a, by any account way better receiving back than Ezekiel Elliott and was consistently between 30 to 45% route share per game because they decided that they wanted to move the ball down the field on passing downs. They wanted to prioritize pass protection in the backfield and downfield routes in the receiving game. I think Austin Eckler's target share is coming way down because I think that his target share was a function of a non-functional offense. It doesn't. It didn't help their offense. It's continuing to dump off him for four yards per catch. Yeah, Joe Lombardi is a, a complete and utter idiot. Kellen Moore is going to remedy that. Uh, Justin Herbert is one of the most cerebral quarterbacks in football with one of the best arms. Uh, why did he lead the league in check down throws last year? It seemed like Austin Eckler knew where the bodies were buried and he just desperately needed his PPRs for his fantasy league and Yahoo. <laughs> fantasy show uh so i i think there's going to be some slight regression but this is still a player who led the league in touchdowns in back-to-back years finished as a top three fantasy running back he outscored justin jefferson and just about anyone else in fantasy points per game last year uh factor in a, a running back 
target share regression, there's still a really fall way to far fall from easily most targets and at the position to, I don't know, second most behind. Mikhail. Oh, a massive upside. Like, like I said, it's a two prong. It's like either I'm concerned about like Austin Eckler just has inherent risk. He's a small old running back versus wide receivers. Uh, so like, I think, unless I, I think, think the, that his upside the... is substantially higher than the wide receivers. And I don't think that it is this year. I don't think he's going to project to me to score that much unless I'm wrong about the receiving. Like if his receiving stays constant, but I think base case, I think he's going to be scoring similar when healthy to the wide receivers that go in that mid first. And so I, I'm not interested in taking on the additional risk of the running back selection there. I, I will say, I think pass catching running backs do tend to age a little more grace gracefully. Uh, but it's also a player who's had 100 plus targets with multiple OCs and uh, running back targets is also kind of a QB stat. Uh, but yeah, you, he was at 107 last year. You want to shave 20 off of that. Okay. He was still, the fantasy RB one by a good margin. I think he can be fantasy RB one. I, I mean, I just don't like ever taking running backs in the first round of drafts. Like it's very in best ball. I, I agree, so. but like this is where it gets tricky. Ten team ESPN league. I yeah, think I don't should play be one hundred one. Ten team ESPN league, but that's what ninety percent <laughs> of uh, fantasy players play. I know we I mean, think it's a joke, but yeah, that's I would my, never. That's who's paying play for subscriptions. And I don't give advice to Ted DBSN. All right, <laughs> my advice you do a podcast on Friday nights. Account. So you have a bunch of degenerates and, and virgins watching us right now. Yeah, that's that's, that's um, no, our I, demographic. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely. Yeah, if we're talking like two running backs, two wide receivers, and one flex, like obviously the context <laughs> of like what a anti fragile strategy looks like is very very different. Um, but yeah, yeah in, in, in underdog, like I'm, 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 I'm slightly under market on Bijan. I think I'm 6%. I'm like, I think 1% Eckler and CMC. Okay. Well, if you're looking at where Bijan is, when it comes to where rookies get drafted in these super flex formats, uh, they actually kind of mirror this redraft to dynasty for the first couple of picks. Like it's not really, I think at this point of the year, I think rookies kind of go where they're going to go probably until we get training camp news, best shape of his life. First guy in last guy out Scott Barrett's specialty and coach speak, just coach speaking guys that are nobody's right up and oh, wait till we get to Chris Rodriguez. Oh my, coach speak off God. The oh my God. God. You Rodriguez. would, you absolutely would. Well, going ahead of Bijan barely, uh, 0.3 spots in ADP. They're going at the same spot as Anthony Richardson, who, if we're talking about a super flex format, who I would prefer, it's Anthony Richardson. If we're talking redraft oh, or best yeah. ball, I'm taking AR. In super flex um, formats. In a super flex dynasty format? Well, and redraft. I take him in redraft too. Okay. Um, Over yeah. Yes. Oh we yeah, were just, I don't think it's close for me. We were just talking about the lunatics who did that, and we have one in this on this podcast right now. Jeez. Well, I was waiting for right oh. now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would happily attach a first round pick to Anthony Richardson to trade him for Bijan Robinson and Dynasty without hesitation. Well, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't just say Dynasty, folks. I said in the Superflex redraft and best ball. Yes, I would. Absolutely Man, I would be rather. bare. I am like. So I've I've gone through like a journey with Anthony Richardson and best ball because. Like originally I was hammering him because there was so much yeah. ambiguity about his draft capital. He was like really cheap. 
Uh, and then he, he was a workout warrior at the combine and then he gets the draft capital and like right after post draft, his price was insanity. It was like, he was like going in like round seven, round eight. <laughs> um, I thought he was like borderline undraftable and now it's really settled down. Like now he's going into round nine. I'm drafting a lot of Richardson and I don't even know that it's because I like love Richardson. It's more just the quarterbacks in that range to me, like him, Gino, Dak, Daniel Jones are so much more appealing than these totally brutal wide receivers that go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so it's really just the quarterbacks, the running backs. Historically, you don't want to be drafting tight ends in that area of the draft. So I wind up with, a, I'm going to wind up like quite overexposed Richardson now. I mean, I think like base case, he's not going to be a good fantasy asset this year because he wasn't a very good college quarterback. Like his upside's there. He's going to run a lot and he'll have some deep completions, but Probably his, like, I wouldn't be surprised if his passing looks a lot like Justin Fields passing last year. And I don't think it's like a likely outcome that he has a Justin Fields level rushing season. I think like my projection base for the Colts, um, I kind of looked at other, I looked at sort of other offenses historically that have been dealing with inaccurate mobile passers, but have sharp coaching staffs where I think if left to their own devices, they would want to be playing more aggressively and not be total mm-hmm. boomers. Like I looked into like the Josh <laughs> Allen rookie season, some of Daniel Jones and stuff with Dable early hurts, of course, with Steichen. Um, I still think they're going to be a heavily negative pass rate over expectation team. I think that we're going to see hurts or we're going to see Richardson run kind of like a Josh Allen level more than a Justin Fieldsy level. And I think he's going to be like, I don't know. I think probably comparable to like the Kirk Cousins tier of quarterback this year, which I don't know if that's, I don't know if people will love that, but that that's currently what I have in mind for him with higher yeah, I upside. Think, I think bringing up Steichen is important because it wasn't just that uh, under Steichen, Jalen Hurts was QB three over the past two seasons, but it's also with uh, uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, he set the rookie record in passing yards per game and passing touchdowns. I think this guy's a sharp offensive minded head coach. This was, they would have taken him at 101 if they traded up for the 101. They love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guy, Brett Whitefield, uh, is one of the best you know, film analysts I know. He, he said he thought uh, this was the best quarterback in the class just going off of film, um, not from a fantasy perspective. So, of course, you factor in the athleticism like easily 102 and super flex rookie picks for me but I, I think i agree more with jacob that uh I, it's tough because like every year i have my exodia quarterback my top quarterback yeah lamar justin jackson josh year. allen jalen mm-hmm. hurts justin fields always hits always a konami code sophomore and he's a rookie um rookie quarterbacks tend to underwhelm no i i i, I waffled at, at a certain point i was like maybe he could be my nah, I, but I, I think i'm more with jacob I mean, I'm okay. in, I'm like, I'm in, and in, in best ball, like I'll take shots. I'm probably going to be really in next year. If the price is similar, like if he does his point and then we can get a similar price on him, I'll be like, oh, that'd be great. We're talking like 25 to 30% exposure in best ball. Um, yeah. Dynasty. I'm, a, I'm just a touch under the market. I, I get my shares cause I need to Homer him is uh, I got, obviously I have root for the Colts. So I need to have some Anthony Richardson, but yeah, it's tough for me. Like I, I would rather invest that type of, dynasty value into some quarterbacks like kyler murray who's like has a lot less value like you can even get kyler murray plus for that pick in some spots um mm. and definitely like i would rather just trade it up for Bijan robinson um i'd rather trade it like straight across for like a cd lamb 
Um, that tends to be more where I'm interested if I have that selection. Interesting. Okay. Let's now. This is kind of where, like, I think I know where Jacob has next. It's it's Jameer Gibbs. Like, I think I know. Like, 103 is pretty across the board in Superflex. Jameer Gibbs. It seems to be pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Again, this, this none of this is controversial. Uh, Jameer Gibbs I mean. is already the dynasty startup RB two. Thoughts on that, Jacob? Um, is he? Is, or, me, sorry, or you're saying that's your take? That's, what I, that's my take. Yeah, to me, right, sorry, he's okay. drafting Austin Eckler in 2017 with A plus draft capital. Yeah, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I have like, I don't know, I I don't really, I have like a tier tier one Bijan alone, and then my tier two right. is four guys. Um, Can I hear those names? Kind of team dependent. Jonathan like Taylor. It's, it's Taylor Hall, um, McCaffrey, and uh, and Gibbs. Uh, McCaffrey's um, way like, too old for me and and I'm out on Hall post ACL plus they plus the Jets tried to t- tried to draft Gibbs in round 1. They're trying they to actually didn't. Like this is like a bad report. Like they have the actual video of Joe Douglas talking in the room and he's like outlining, "Here's my top 4." And he was like, "Mayer, Jones, uh the guy that they drafted McDonald and somebody else." He never even mentioned Gibbs. No, no, no. This was verified by multiple sources and uh uh Brad Holmes Lions GM came out and said it was the Jets. Like he screwed, like he was like, oops, oops, it was the Jets. Yeah, I think Brad Holmes is full of shit. I think he is heavily <laughs> incentivized to say that people were going to draft Jameer Gibbs that highly. Nice to shield from Jameer the RBs highly. don't matter crowd. Uh, yeah, like I think if you're like, like this is like the same, like anytime a GM like takes a guy like way earlier than anyone projects him to go, the three things they always say is like, Look, we just draft the best guy on our board. And then they'll be like, yeah. we thought he was going to go higher. And then they'll be like, actually, like people don't, you know, the media doesn't know, but like there were teams that were going to go and take him. Like this is like clockwork. Like I remember when, I remember when Ryan Grigson like sent me into a comatose state by drafting Philip Dorsett. And they were like, we can't believe you fell to us. Like we thought he was going to go in the top 15. He was like, no, you didn't. Like no one was ever saying that. Like, what are you doing? Um, so, yeah. So just to, just, just to recap, you were doing backflips when they drafted him they, they clearly love this guy yeah. dane Brugler, oh, they love this guy i'm all in on them loving jameer gibbs like and i think it's a terrible real life pick and i don't care for fantasy like i'm all in on this Br- brad holmes said this and dane brugler corroborated so that's that's my my evidence to support it but yeah who who knows um i'm just yeah, yeah. that plus the acl plus seems like they're they, they want a committee backfield um i think he's going to be a lot cheaper this time next year and CMC's too old. Uh, Taylor versus Gibbs, I think that's... Is, okay, that's interesting. So CMC to me is like totally situationally dependent. Like I think like he's just going to score like probably a lot more points than Hall, Taylor, and Gibbs this year. So if you're telling me that you want Christian McCaffrey, I don't really have an argument against that. I wouldn't right. take Christian McCaffrey second in 95% of Dynasty teams, but I don't know. I just think he's a totally different asset class. Um, so Yeah, even- I think drafting a 28-year-old running back in round two of a startup ever is just don't do it. Like, I don't care if you're going yeah, super win now. I think it's more like a trade um, consideration. Um, but I, I'm like most okay, trying to get fair. out of McCaffrey. Um, yeah, if I was to pick one guy, it would for sure be Hall. Um, and then I think Gibbs versus Taylor would be a really tight conversation at three and I'd have McCaffrey five. Um, to me, it's Hall. Like I view Hall the same way that I view Barkley when he tore his ACL, which was like, it might be bad this year. And then I might be able to buy more cheaper later and great. Cause I would just like to have as much as possible. 
that's like my view on it. So it's like, like I'm not sure that the closing line value on Hall from this time next year is going to be bad. I'm not sure that he's going to have a good season this year. To me, it's just he's like a transcendent talent that is everything we want in a running back where he was an elite, 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 elite prospect. Looked absolutely fucking fantastic on a football field. Yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. And then yeah, either we're going to see it this year and or we won't. But then, like, I don't care. Like, and I'll just buy more later. Well, it's also one of those things, too, where – uh, one thing a lot in even kind of more casual fantasy football players and even some of us sweats often get confused is just because that's where you have them in your ranks and your tiers. It does not mean you're stating that's exactly where I would draft them. Right. Like that's, I mean, that's this part is aware am, this part's where... ambiguous enough that I think it kind of right. is like, I, like I, I think it kind of is like, I think these, these four guys like are valued somewhat similarly in leagues like i've offered christian mccaffrey for jameer gibbs before in a league he, mccaffrey clearly is a higher adp but like i've gotten rejected on that offer on several times it was a mike white thing straight up the targets yeah to me it's it's like i don't want r- running backs and dynasty after their rookie contract and uh it's going to be 2024 is the time when you're going to be excited about Brees hall Disagree. and I, I think we're good at predicting Clean acl terror coming back he's going to be ready for week one this year like i it's possible he's bad but i i, I rejected it's a certainty that he's going to be bad this year no that's like, true I'm i also way think Rogers more scared is of not having any haul this year and then he smashes and then i don't have any because i faded him too much to the acl like that terrifies me way more than i'm left holding the bag we've also seen rogers support multiple rbs in fantasy before it's not like this he is the just best running back rogers has ever played with by a mile yeah right. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather risk the him blowing up in my face, I think. And and he, he'd be someone I'd I'd probably be selling if I owned him. Um but uh yeah, and Gibbs, just the argument with him is like to me, he's the one, this is like a super valuable role uh yeah. in Detroit. Like even with a committee alongside David Montgomery, like De- DeAndre Swift sucked ass last year, but like the yeah. role was actually pretty valuable. And he was splitting time with a third running back. Um I have it in my notes somewhere, but yeah, if you just look by team XFP per game, Detroit ranks second. Uh, and if you gave him just 70% of the backfield, he would have matched Eckler in usage mm-hmm. 66%. He would have matched CMC 55% would have matched Taylor. So he doesn't need 70% of the backfield to, to smash. Like he's, he's going to be, and I, people are underrating him from that perspective from, from agree from a redraft point of view as well. Yeah, I agree with you on Gibbs. Like I've I've always been pretty ahead of the market on Gibbs. Market's certainly caught up since he got that 12th overall capital. I'm not drafting him a ton on underdog. And part of that's like just like micro to me, where it's like I play a ton of dynasty, I play a lot on FFPC and I play a lot on underdog. And so if I'm like organizing my portfolio, I'm just gonna be a little lighter on the half PPR best ball seasonal site versus mm. like where I'm way overexposed in PPR dynasty and PPR redraft. But I totally agree with you. I think he is like, I don't think people totally understand just how incredible of, uh, of a receiving prospect that he is. Like I think people have tended to in recent times, almost view these receiving running backs coming out in like a binary way where it's like either they're a good receiver or they're a bad receiver. Um, I'm going to just pull up some Gibbs stats, which is why I was stalling there. But <laughs> I love uh, th- it. This is all taken, uh, or most of this is taken from Noah Hills' database, who does some of the best running back work out there. 
Gibbs ran an advanced route, which is like a wheel, an angle, an out. It's something other than just like slip screen or I'm like sagging off to the right and hoping the ball hits my hands. He did that on at least 25% of his dropbacks all three years in college. The average in FBS is 16%, so one and a half times as many. And at Georgia Tech, he was targeted an eight point eight percentage point higher clip than the average FBS running back when running a wheel route, and he ran wheel routes twice as often. Uh, it was more than double the FBS average in terms of his target rate on those routes on all advanced usage. And it was a little bit less at Alabama, considered to continue to be 80th percentile route diversity, was targeted way above average every time that he ran one of those routes. You look at yards per route run and receiving yards market share, which is the two big receiving um, inputs that I look at for my running back stuff because you get a picture of how efficient they are per route and also how often your teams trust you out there to run routes. And you look at him versus guys like Barkley, Kamara, ETN, James Cook, CEH, Swift, ETN, like all of the guys that have been touted as receiving running backs coming out of college. It's like Gibbs and McCaffrey exist in their own little world and everybody else is in a different sub world. Um, I totally think that it is possible that Jameer Gibbs is a guy that the Lions looked at and said, look, we need a receiving weapon in our offense. We have a super creative offensive coordinator in Ben Johnson, and we don't buy into this receiving class. We don't value JSN the way that the fantasy spreadsheet socialists value JSN, Jordan (laughs) Addison, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson, whatever. We're not sold on these guys. We think that Jameer Gibbs can be 85% of the dynamic receiving weapon that any of these receivers can be. And we can give him 150 carries and he can take punt returns and kick returns back for touchdowns. And we're going to use him on jet motions and jet sweeps. Like I think they're going to use him in a super creative fashion. Um, And he's going to be an absolute smash, like probably this year at his redraft cost, I think, Um, especially in PPR formats and in dynasty, I can totally see the argument for RB2. I think he's incredible. He reminds me of a lot of those pass catching backs that came out in 2017, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, um, uh, Austin Eckler. And he's clearly the best one since at least 2018 with no one coming close, smashed in depth, adjusted yards per target, yards per route run, all the stats I look at. But here's my favorite one, uh, which Detroit Lions fans went apeshit over trying to justify the draft pick. Right. Uh, he ranked out. Um, among all players uh, who were drafted. Uh, he ranked fifth best in career yards per route run ahead of Jalen Hyatt, ahead of Zay flowers, ahead of Dalton Ooh. Kincaid. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Fr- freakish, freakish pass catcher. And as a runner, like I did not see anything vastly different in terms of efficiency between him and Zach Charbonnet. They were kind of like the exact same to me, except Charbonnet smashed in volume, which is really important. And he uh, had more short down and distance usage, which is important in projecting role, but just in what he was asked to do, I thought he was pretty good. Not, not elite, not great, but pretty good. Good enough. He's I, I have, I want to say I have more confidence, but I have equal confidence in Jameer Gibbs breaking fantasy football as a rookie as i do for Bijan, even though they're completely different players and you can get one later than than the other so i will definitely be more overweight on gibbs than Bijan and redraft i mean if david montgomery turns an ankle jameer gibbs could legitimately yeah. contend for rb1 overall during the stretch that david montgomery's out of the lineup you're yeah. with that you're talking like christian mccaffrey austin Eckler right. upside and like yeah. no one else what people yeah, like wanted Swift. Jared, you know, he's not stealing touchdowns at the goal line. Jared Goff. Like, they obviously he's never <laughs> going to run them in because, like, I run a faster 40 time than him. Uh, <laughs> and, like, they don't even let him throw it in. Like, they get inside the five, and it's like, 
well, Jared, like it's too bad Amon Ross St. Brown fell down inside the five again because we are not letting you throw it. Like <laughs> you're handing it off four straight times here, buddy. Oh man. I, I well, he's got a super soaker for an arm. There's no cannon there to to squeeze that in. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with these backs. Like I there's been so so many people are like Gibbs guys or Monty guys this year. And I'm mostly a both guy. Like Scott talked about off the top how good this fantasy, how good this backfield is for fantasy. And I think they can both hit or like close to their ADPs if they have like roughly the roles we expect and they're both healthy all year. But this is running back. They're probably not going to both play 17 games this year. And like the contingent upside is insane. And I don't even know who their third running back is right now. Like, is it, do they retain like Craig Reynolds? Like Justin Jackson isn't even there anymore. Like there's no, there's no obvious reason to me why like if Gibbs went down, Monty wouldn't get the pass down work. Or if Monty went down, Gibbs wouldn't get the goal line work. Like I think they're both potential smash picks. Um, And I say that even as like a hater of David Montgomery, um, the player. A known hater. Yep. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and Derek, Derek is in the chat saying Craig Reynolds. And like, yeah, I mean, Craig Reynolds is an NPC. <laughs> he really is. I feel like uh, the next two, I'm going to hit them both because I feel like they're kind of the same player. And when I say that, people often get upset with me, uh, but I view them as kind of the same player. And it's the two rookie quarterbacks. Right. Like we have CJ Stroud and we have Bryce Young. They're the same player to me. I don't care either way. If if I'm not going to go out of my way to move up to get one or the other, if I have to make that pick. But I can tell you that I would replace both of them with Kyler Murray, who is hovering right in between them in dynasty startups. I would just much rather use them as a stepping stone to go and get one of the other elite quarterbacks. I think there's there's colossal bust risk on Kyler Murray, or at least like he's going to be way cheaper this time next year just because they're going to be staring at Caleb Williams and they're going to have a hard time dumping that contract. Yeah. And if you talk he'll, to like... He'll start somewhere else in the league. Not really. Yeah, coming, Kyler Murray's coming not going to be a, a backup quarterback in the NFL. In coming off of a serious leg injury, which you know may sap mobility. It's just like he's going to be cheaper... Um, and also if you talk to like film heads around the NFL, like they do not think Kyler Murray's good at all. Like they don't think he's going to help you win games. Maybe that's wrong, but like, this is what I've been hearing for a few years now. Yeah. I mean, I think just that's really wrong. Like I think Kyler is an exemplary prospect. He had like what you see out of most quarterback rookie years that wind up good, which is like, they're not completely horrible. And that's kind of the most we can expect for like 90% of rookie quarterbacks. And then he progressed year two, like all the way through year three. Like it looked like this is what you want to see out of basically any rookie quarterback outside of like Hall of Fame level rookie quarterbacks. Like the progression to me was going really strong from year one to year two to year three. He was like leading the MVP vote from halfway through his third year in the NFL. Like he, his EPA, his CPOE was off the charts. The entire time he was playing with Cliff Kingsbury, everyone agrees sucks. Like I don't think he is necessarily that guy. Like I don't, want to just wipe away everything we saw year four. I don't think Kyler Murray is like a top five NFL quarterback or even a top 10 NFL quarterback, but it would stun me if Kyler Murray is not at least like one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL over the next five to 10 years. And as long as he's that and he's scoring a lot of fantasy points, then I'm good with it. 
D don't laugh at me. I think there's a legitimate risk he leaves to go play baseball because that's something he talked about it doing in his 30s. Uh, but also, I just think there's like a stink on him in NFL circles that's going to carry or it's like, oh, he's so tiny. He can't stay healthy. When he was was healthy, he was averaging like 30 fantasy points per game in the first half of each season, but then massive decline in the second half. Injury concerns, especially for a player of his size, but also someone who relies so heavily on his legs. Like that is his calling card. Like what he does with his legs is more impressive to me than Lamar Jackson. Who's just fast. Like Kyler Murray teleports away from pressure into the end zone. I'm yeah, sorry. Defended Tom and I, I Lamar Jackson. Who's fake, just but... fast. Oh, Scott. Buddy. I mean, freakishly fast, like the fastest you... ever, but he doesn't teleport like nightcrawler. I don't, I don't, I neither does Kyler Murray. You can tell that by, I don't know. I'll, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm not, mm -mm. nope, there was bait there and I'm not going to take it. I'm absolutely, the last, we will lose more subs if I sit here and just talk Lamar Jackson for another two hours. Which well, I, I mean, we do. were derailed You're already. We were talking about Kyler. We were supposed to talk about the rookies. I, I really I'm don't have anything on meaningful to add here. It's just, yeah, those two guys and something of a tie whatever except i would take jsn over both of them but we'll get to that i agree with well i agree with one of those um the last thing i'll just say on kyler quick is i absolutely reject this idea that he's going to drop in cost after this year if it goes badly his current adp right now in superflex is in the third round and I just can't fathom a scenario in which it's lower than that if he plays zero games this year and is on a new team. Like, we are literally willing to take Anthony Richardson, a shitty college quarterback, mm -hmm. at the one-two turn of our drafts. We were willing to take Trey Lance, a FCS college quarterback with one, two career NFL starts at the one-two turn in dynasty drafts. To me, the biggest reason why Kyler Murray is following is because people don't think he's going to play any games this year or very few, which I think is a very legitimate risk. And if you're rostering Kyler Murray on your dynasty team, that means this year you're either tanking the year or you're having to expend assets to get two to three other starting quarterbacks. So I don't think that there is a chance that Kyler Murray is going lower than his third round. Yeah, Derek, like, okay, I, I would be stunned if Drake May has a higher ADP than Kyler Murray next year. I would be stunned if Bryce Young and CJ Stroud have higher ADPs than Kyler Murray this year. Dak Prescott currently has a higher ADP than Kyler Murray this year. That's insane. Um, like, I just don't think that the he is behind so many people who are going to score so much, so many less fantasy points than Kyler Murray that the biggest reason to me why he's already so depressed in cost is because he's not going to score any of them this year, which is a valid yeah. reason. Like, that's a very valid reason to be like, I don't want to roster in round two, an asset that's going to score potentially zero points for me this year. Like I get that, but I just think when that's no longer an issue next off season, we're going to get a nice easy rise because to me, the market's already buying into the fact that he's probably not an Arizona Cardinal next year. I think there's catastrophic risk in that Arizona may seriously have trouble offloading that contract. I think that's, you know, maybe unlikely, but, but very possible. And then you run the risk of like, DeAndre Swift was like a round two startup last year. Now he's free kind of, you know, tanking. running back is a big difference. Right. That's fair. Back though. Yeah, like, I don't know. Teams are starting Sam Owl and Desmond Ritter this year. Like you're telling me Kyle Murray can't get an NFL job. I just think that's like, I think that's like out. That's like a 0 0.001. Well, teams, teams are wising up to where you at the quarterback position, you want like a top seven 
quarterback or you want someone on a rookie contract so you can pay all the other positions and the Saints right. just, around him. The Saints just got Derek Carr. Well, the yeah. Saints are the Saints. <laughs> Kyle Murray you is know, the 2024 New Orleans Saints quarterback. He can but, run their Taysom Hill package. But look. No, Taysom's still going to cuck him at the goal line, of course. 100%. That would be – sorry, we got totally sidetracked from the rookies. Um, I agree with you on JSN over Stroud. I don't with Young, but I'm also fine with it. I, I think there's like a slight difference between Young and Stroud just in the sense that a lot of their metrics look pretty similar – except that Young did it over – Young sustained the elite level right. for more years, and Young did it with total goofballs playing wide receiver, while Stroud did it with arguably the best college receiver group. Um, Ever. Yeah, I mean, it's that or the LSU group or the Mac Tua, but it's like one of those – it's that level of wide receiver groupings. Right. So I think Stroud is a good prospect. It's just if we made – if we like advanced out five years and – Stroud was bad and you were like how did that happen I'd be like well probably because like we based a lot off of like his production in this incredibly favorable environment whereas it would just really like I'm out on young and Stroud at cost because I just struggle to see like the elite fantasy breaking upside That's it would really surprise me up. if Bryce Young sucks right but the, I think I think there's it's the rushing for me they don't neither of them in their college profiles they're not the runners I look for, I feel like you could get pylon quarterbacks cheaper. If I'm picking in that second and third round. Yeah. I want the elite rushing potential and there's just no way you can convince me that Kyler Murray's not that because there's nothing to support that. So that's where my preference leans. And that's why. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just say, I agree with everything Jacob said on, on why you should take young over shroud. It was well articulated. Except he's tiny, and maybe Aaron Donald can snap him in half with his bare hands, but <laughs> that makes me feel uh, like an old, old football head. That's true. That's, um, I mean, he does. And also, yeah, the landing spots suck ass, right? Like, let's just. Yes. Right. Right. Like, the Panthers, like, you could make an argument. Dude, the Panthers have Adam Thielen, <laughs> Jonathan Mingo, Miles Sand. What are you talking about? <laughs> with Scott Barrett's dream destination. God, all of my. Have, fantasy like, the, the Panthers, like, made it a point to, like, actively employ all of my least favorite players in the NFL. Yeah. That's um that's actually Yeah, super you want to talk about Mingo for a second while we're on the Panthers weapons? Oh yeah. god, yeah, yeah, yeah. can we? You're a Mingo we also, guy. We also I'm got asked about your Laporta takes earlier. Mingo truther. Uh yeah, no, that's not guy. true. It's just I love guys who the rest of the industry hate, but I can, can craft uh, uh, and a compelling bull case argument. Uh, and that's just that he's a freak athlete, 97th percentile spork score, former four-star recruit. Uh, he didn't really do anything until uh, 2021, but he, he fractured his left foot, which required surgery, uh, causing him to miss games, and then a second surgery after that. But uh, before missing those seven games, he averaged over 100 yards per game, uh, 2.67 yards per route run, 30% uh, yardage market share. Uh, so maybe that can explain the, the late breakout. Uh, Malik Heath uh, actually beat him out in receiving yards, which isn't good, but but to play devil's advocate, Mingo was averaging 3.45 yards per route run through the team's first six games. Uh, if that held up across the full season, he would have led all wide receivers 
in the power five. Uh, so why did his numbers drop? Uh, I talked to Jim Nagy about this and he, he basically said due to injuries, he was kind of playing out of position. If you dig deeper, uh, you'll see like his numbers just really tank from that point on. And what happened was uh, Ole Miss, their their tight end, Michael Trigg, suffered an injury week six, so exactly coinciding with the down streak. And from that point on, Mingo spent 23% of his snaps lined up as an inline tight end. Uh, so I think within that context, you can make some excuses for him. And it's not like, I don't, I don't love him. I'm not, like, he's not my boy. It's just... In, in contrast to the industry, I like him more than everyone else for that reason. I mean, I think that the industry likes him enough to take him at an ADP that suggests he's like not a horrible prospect. Um, so that's pretty <laughs> flattering to me that he goes in the early second round of rookie drafts. I, I also made a um, similar case with Taekwon Thornton. So feel free to disregard. Yes. Him. Yeah. Uh, Taekwon Thornton. Look, I mean, I'm, I was more out on Taekwon Thornton than I was on Jonathan Mingo, I guess. Like I like I think Taekwon Thornton was like somewhere in the mid fourth of my rookie draft rankings last year. Um, that was like where I had Mingo pre-draft. Uh, well, that was where I had Mingo prior to everyone being like he's gonna go in like late day one or early day two. Once that happened, I was like, I guess I have to move him up into the third round of rookie drafts. Uh, and then he goes to this like it's like I mean it is a good spot because they have nobody else. So he's right. going to like get a really easy right. path to playing time. Um, he's like, prob- whatever his capacity as a target earner is, like we will find out. <laughs> he's got to beat no, up Paris standing Marshall. In his way. Right? Um, so all that's fair and fine. What I would just say with Mingo is like, I'm going to be probably over market on him in best ball because why the fuck not? Like he, he goes in a range where every wide receiver sucks. So like I would always just rather take the wide receiver who probably sucks versus the wide receiver who definitely sucks. Um, and I would definitely put Mingo in the probably socks camp right. uh, in dynasty. Like well, I I'm not really on board with the ADP going in the early second. I mean, the way I would look at it, it's like if John and Mingo was like actually awesome, we, he probably wouldn't need the 72 excuses that Scott just had to lay out where you like squint. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like a reasonable prospect. <laughs> yes. So it's like, to me, it's like at most, not even like good, kinda good, like just right, sort of like, reasonable. Right. Like it's like at most to me, it's like he's like kind of good. And the problem with like wide receiver is like you just to miss on, on being out on a receiver in dynasty. Like you just have to be so wrong for it to hurt you. Like if it's like, if it's like, Oh, like I was wrong about Mingo. Like he's not horrible. He's actually like a capable NFL player. And like the way that like Alec Pierce is a capable NFL player. It's like, I don't, really care if i like didn't ever draft alec pearson a rookie draft like my life is going to be perfectly fine right um, okay then it's like okay what if he's actually like a really good nfl player it's like okay could he be michael pittman it's like that would suck if i like passed on the chance to like draft michael pittman in the early second but what's michael pittman worth now like a mid to late first it's like it doesn't suck that much so it's like unless he's like actually like michael thomas or like terry mccorn where it's like profile looked kind of like not that awesome and then he's that good like that would you know massively hurt i guess but i don't know it's i just it's a hard sell to me that i'm going to be wrong and i'm going to be wrong in such a degree in dynasty that i'm going to deeply regret not having enough jonathan mingo i will take him in best ball because i really like a lot of the jaguars and i have to stack them with panthers unfortunately um and mingo is one of the least offensive options uh to stack my Jaguars with. I just to 
reiterate, I have him uh, early round two, but keep in mind that this draft class sucks. Yeah. This is a terrible draft. So like I I, did, I managed to keep him out of my round two entirely. So <laughs> I still Yeah, so you so you've got Jaden Reed in there, Josh Downs, uh I don't like any Luke of these Musgrave. I just draft all the running backs and the tight yeah. ends. I mean the, the running backs stink though. That's we'll fine. Running back that's the big difference. The running back running backs can stink and score fifteen points for a month in fantasy. A wide receiver actually has to be good to do that. You want to hold on to those guys onto your roster? I, I don't. Absolutely. I want my entire bench of every dynasty team to just be backup running backs. But yeah. I, I take the opposite approach. I, I grab two young, really good running backs and then just have zero running backs on my roster. Well, it's not surprising given how often you speak about wide receivers. So or minus, minus 40-year-olds. Like, I don't want rookies like that. Like, I don't see any of these running backs ever being a bell cow without maybe like two injuries in front of them. I mean, I agree like over the course of a season, but like, I think it's very possible that several of these running backs can be like Samaj P. Ryan for three weeks. <laughs> that's fair. So this yeah, is- that's the, the bar. That is the bar for me. Like yeah. I would just rather okay. have that asset than Jonathan Mingo. So like, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't, think- I mean, I think there's like a 7% chance he's DK Metcalf. Okay. I'm going to say 0.7%. Yeah. Point, point like, okay. Seven. Here's a question. Here's like a dynasty theory question. So would you rather have today? That's Darnell I was, Mooney. I was just about to do this. Yeah. Okay. You can do it if you want. You can pick. No, go ahead. Ones. You finish this one. And I'll ask. After. Okay. I was going to say like, would you rather have Darnell Mooney or like, I don't know. I'll use, I'm trying to think of an example. that's like not an actually good. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather have Darnell Mooney or Samaj P Ryan today in dynasty? Probably Mooney. Right. So like, I think it's P Ryan, not even close for me. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about Darnell Mooney. Like Darnell Mooney is never going to matter. Like I'm, I'm probably never going to start him. And if I ever do start him, he probably provides nothing different that I couldn't get out of like, the I mean, to me, that's, to me, that's Samaj P. Ryan. Like I don't give a fuck about scat backs like P Ryan or handcuffs. Like I just don't want them clogging my roster. I don't think, I guess, I guess we both are. Do clog your roster. Like, I think it's like, I think like the wide receivers to me are like the roster cloggers. I don't ever want to roster more than like seven wide receivers on a dynasty. There's definitely some Mooney truther out there who thinks he's going to break out this year. You could definitely sell him for way more than Samaji at the at the least. No, you can't. Really? You can't. Like I, like, well, my experience can't. I have a Mooney because I got him for like $1 in an auction. And the second since he landed on my roster, like all I've been, I have like, it's like burning a hole in my pocket. I'm like, will someone give me like a 2025 third for this guy? Um, And no, they won't. They won't do that. But Samaj P. Ryan, like, is, is the, I have so much Samaj P. Ryan because, like, I made a whole bit out of him. Like, I called him the Samaj P. line, where it's like any wide receiver um, who, like, you're never going to start. You should just have Samaj P. Ryan instead. It's been like a two year running bit. Um, it's been perfect. And, and it was really fun last year when he paid off. But, like, every day I get an offer for Samaj P. Ryan in a dynasty. Like, I wake up and I, and I get an offer for him. People want him so badly. Samaj is 28 years old. He's confirmed bad. Maybe he starts four games waiting on Javante to get back to full health. I mean, there's also a chance he's the new Pierre Thomas or, uh, uh, for, for Sean Payton or something. But, uh, I think like his upside is just like someone else is hurt and he has four games for you. I think Mooney, there is a chance he can, developed to be like the B minus Marquise Brown, where he's like a back end starter for you down the road. So, and, and, and like what, to what point? <laughs> it's just, you get start starting points. 
I guess. There's there's more uh, there's more like Samaji's guaranteed to decline in value. There's a chance that Mooney increases in value. Yeah, I, I mean that's fair. It's just like I just don't know what like the point of that value is. Like I don't know. Like to to me it's like yeah, that like genuinely like I had a friend one time who like made one of the greatest comments I ever heard on a food take, which was like there's like why do you love oysters? And he was like because they're a vessel for sauce. And that's like Samaj P. Ryan. He's like a vest. He's not good. Like he doesn't provide anything. He's like a vessel for targets and goal line carries. Like he provides literally no inherent value, but like t- sometimes the football like lands between his hands and it doesn't drop to the ground. And like, then he gets a point. <laughs> he gets a PPR point for that. And then like, sometimes they're like this, like large adult man is the only option to hand off this carry to at the two yard line. And occasionally he, he moves six feet forward with the ball. And that's all I want out of a, bench spot in dynasty i just want that that just that gets me out of bed in the morning yeah i, I think regardless we're wasting a lot of time talking about two <laughs> relevant players no, no you, scott you don't understand the full tilt uh, uh community loves the p line so i uh, think that this we, is like a proxy though for like how to handle round two and round three of rookie draft if right. you're gonna make and, me think critically about samaji p ryan and dynasty i'm gonna need a beer so give me a second yeah. please okay. well, is, he does do thinking about thinking right yeah. like that's I mean, this is how he'll make you get there. This is like, to me, it's like how you view Samaj P. Ryan in a dynasty league. Like, tells me it's like, would I? It's like, would I rather take like Zach Moss or sorry, Zach Evans, but also Zach Moss? It's like whatever. Um, To me, it's like I would rather take Zach Evans than like insert shitty wide receiver prospect I don't believe in for the same reasons that I would rather take some AJP Ryan over insert irrelevant year three wide receiver. And let's, I want to ask because there is, okay. So there is a running back. We're going to play the, would you rather game in dynasty startups using bulletproof ADP. If you're not uh, looking at bulletproof ADP, you should be, this is one of my favorite games. So we have Mingo currently being drafted at the 10, Oh, three as of right now, that's wide receiver 43 off the board. Yeah. So I'm going to do a, would you rather right now with, with Jonathan Mingo, uh, sure. Mike Williams, obviously Mike Williams, that Jonathan Mingo Just... every day in his, when he wakes up in the morning, he's like, I dream of being Mike Williams. Uh, what is this redraft or dynasty? This is dynasty. This is dynasty. I, I think Mike Williams stinks, but I, I would still take Mike Williams. Okay. Mingo or Tony. Oh, Tony, for sure. Obviously. Tony. He's going to finish as the wide receiver seven this year. I know. Mingo I'm from or the Mac future. Jones, super flex. Mingo Mac, or Mac Jones. Jones. Mac Jones for sure. Okay. Mingo, Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller. Hey, those are all play. Oh, here's one for Scott. Rashad Bateman or Mingo. That's so offensive. I know. It's probably Bateman. Okay. Those are the six players going ahead or the five players going ahead of Mingo right now. Immediately oh, after God. now, we'll go the other well, way. This is a lot of Mingo talk. This is David like Mingo and Joku. Unchained. It's uh, we'll get there. <laughs> David and Joku. The title. What was or, it? Joku, or, Joku, Joku or Mingo? Any title. Oh, Mingo. Joku. Montgomery. Montgomery. Matt. Ooh, there's there's the first difference. Yeah. Madison. Madison. Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Depends on the team. Sorry. That- so I'm really only asking Scott because Sam, I would take the next 48 names. I know, right. I know, I know. And then Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta. Laporta. Okay, so Njoku, Montgomery, Madison. Uh, These are all my favorite dynasty. Evans, Kamara, and Laporta are all, all going after Mingo. Yeah. 
So yeah, the yeah. shitty wide receiver prospect is slowly yeah. creeping and his way the, in. And for the record, the only name that I even had to remotely think about that you named was the rookie running back in Kendra Miller. Like I Kendry just Miller. want all these dusty. I like Kendra. Like that. That's that's the only guy after the top yeah. two I think can actually be a dynasty asset that provides value for you at some point and doesn't just immediately so drop in price. Let's so yeah, let's talk that, about. I was just gonna sure. say let's talk about let's talk about the rookie running backs not named Gibbs and yeah. Bijan. Want to get into that next tier of three, like the A-Chain, Sharps, Kendra discussion? Um, n- no, not really. Again, I, I hate all of these. Zach Charbonnet isn't good, and he landed in the worst spot possible. Kendra Miller, decent spot, and he's kind of good. Like, maybe he could be a poor man's Joe Mixon, maybe. And then I don't care about any other running back after that. They're, they're yeah, irrelevant. I... Um, I don't think any running back that's on a 53 is irrelevant. So I'll always reject that premise. Like they're ha- they're handcuffs, which is like low yes, probability of ever. And, and their, their chances of hitting higher probability the of producing Derek Henry gets her than a bomb ass wide receiver. <laughs> but I guess it's just how you structure your teams. Like there's I, a 7% I chance, chance that DK Mac, that uh, Mingo's DK Mac. No, and and there's, there's a 0% chance, you know, my barring injury, Tajay Spears does anything. It's for just, you. It's so funny to me that you running back people, you drafters of running backs and early rounds of drafts will like admonish people being like, how dare you like not bow down to big Najieris at the round three, four turn. Like he's going to get all these touches. And then at the same time, be like, I don't care about Zach Charbonnet. He sucks. Like if Zach Charbonnet and Najieris changed jerseys, he wouldn't notice the difference. It's like the same dude. They're all just like, they're, they're just like touch absorbers. Right. I, I was a big Najee guy coming out, but it was just projecting touches. I, right. I'm not taking him anywhere. I, I don't want him on my dynasty teams or redraft teams, but uh, Charbonnet, you don't have that projection for touches and he's also not good. But really, you if, make the case for Joe Mixon. You like keep trying to get people to draft Joe Mixon. In redraft? He sucks. Yeah, for it's sure. Fine. But he right, so he ranked second among all running suck. backs and weighted opportunity per game last year. Right. So that's like, that's what I'm saying. Like outside of a few running, it's so hard. It's so hard for him to suck for fantasy despite him sucking in real life because that role is so good. You know who else would be really hard to suck for fantasy? Zach Charbonnet. If Ken Walker sprains an ankle, you know who else would probably score a lot? I mean, fantasy? that's a big if. What, 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 what are the odds that that happens? And really high. It's a pretty good running weeks. back turns an ankle. Oh my god, I've never seen this before. Like, what, what? what are the odds that happens and happens in postseason weeks when you need him? And you he gets all of the work. Runs. You just you just assemble a stable. You just have a stable. Right, Mitt Romney had a binder full of women. I have a binder full of backup running backs. Like any one of these, we play backup running back roulette. I'm I'm simultaneously betting on 13 different running backs to sprain an ankle. And each one of them has a one in 13 shot. And whichever one does, that's the backup that goes in this week. It's like, you're just spinning the dial. So all, all of my dynasty teams have like three running backs, including bench. And uh, I just do not draft the ones who are unlikely to be high-end producers or, or starter worthy. And uh, yeah. And then I'll, I just draft the wide receivers and like, if if I have a Mooney who retains value, I'll, I'll I'll sell him and acquire more. When I want, when I take running backs, it's almost always in rookie drafts, and it's always early round one or not at all. Yeah, I I couldn't couldn't be. I mean, I'll take the early round one running backs and rookie drafts. That part I agree with. That's that's the only. But like, 
rookie drafts, I basically only draft running backs. Um, right. I just like when, don't draft the running, running back. Well, I'll draft the wide receivers in the mid to late first. And then once they're stopped being wide receivers that I actually like, then I forget about the position. How, how are we not in a lead together, Jacob? I don't know. I'd love I to. I tried. And then Scott together. was yeah. like, you could get I'm some trade done, trades no, done. No, no, no. I tried. Yeah. I invited Scott. I was like, Scott, I can start one. We'll do like a full tilt thing. It'll be like me, Jacob, whatever. And you'd be like, ah, I'm pretty busy. I don't know, bro. And then I asked let's you do, again. You're we'll like, I don't know. I'm pretty busy. Yeah, I'm bro. down. I'm down. Okay. Let's we got to go back to JSN. Now. We can't run away. Yeah, sure. We can go with JSN. All right. So I, I, I think drafting JSN today is exactly <laughs> like drafting Keenan Allen in his rookie season. Like exactly, except I think he's going to be a lot less productive as a rookie than Keenan was. And I think he's going to be cheaper in six months. And for that reason, uh, I have Richardson and Gibbs ahead of him, but just like taking a five-year window, uh, you can make the case for JSN at 102 easily. I think it's going to be like drafting CeeDee Lamb uh, as a rookie, which is a very similar situation. Is that a compliment? Are you a CeeDee Lamb guy? Yeah, it's a compliment. Like, are people not CeeDee Lamb guys? He has like a high 20% target share, and he averaged nearly 18 points per game with Cooper Rush playing a third of the season. Yeah, and and, uh, he's only outscored Dalton Schultz by... Uh, 0.8 fantasy points per game over the last 20 games played with his three biggest spike weeks coming in games that two of the three in games that uh, Avante Maddox left early due to injury. So he's up against a backup slot corner, but yeah, I, I think he's good. He I just don't targets, think he's first points. I mean, I think the Keenan Allen comp is like sexy. The, the CD lamb comp is like, Oh, okay. I'd be happy. No, with CD that. lamb is better than Keenan Allen. From the fantasy perspective, Keenan Allen's yeah. been a fantasy wide receiver one for seven straight seasons. Has Keenan Allen ever scored as many points per game as CeeDee Lamb scored last year? Absolutely. I, I'm I like, that was a genuine question. Look, I'm look not it actually up. sure. I, I, I would be shocked. He is not. He is, that's, no not. way. His, his peak season was 2018. He had 17.2. CeeDee Lamb had 17.7 last year. Damn. Oh, I just got destroyed. Are you kidding? Oh, On air. Yeah, he doesn't score touchdowns. I forgot about that. Well, those, yeah. those are kind of important. Uh, for, I mean, I, uh, and I love Keenan Allen. Like, I mean, look, we just talked about everything. Like, there's nothing I love more than a crusty 30-year-old wide receiver to put on my dynasty team. Um, so Keenan Allen will forever hold a special place in my heart. But I think the where I see it, the CD Lamb comp is like a lot of it is situational and some of it's the player. Like, I think CD is like a best as a slot wide receiver who can also play outside. Wasn't like a supreme athlete, but had a really strong uh production profile outside of that i think jsn somewhat similar and then you had that same situation where like when lamb got drafted it was like we have cooper and we have gallup who are probably going to run all the routes and so lamb was kind of capped where even if he was the best target earner per route he was going to have a much harder path to that 90 plus percent route rate than most round one wide receivers get um and jsn similar like he's the hardest possible player for me to decide on what the hell to do with in uh redraft and best ball because i think his adp is just so egregious versus how i know i'm going to project him but i also don't i like never want to bet against talented rookies and young players i always want to be buying into that and his contingent upside is so high if lockett finally looks old or if either lockett or dk gets hurt or if they just decide we're going to fully like ramp this up and run 11 personnel on 90 percent of the snaps like he has a lot of carol has said that is definitely not going to happen but, but who knows? You never know. Like I you never know. I just, yeah. I mean, I never. Lot, this is my people. issue with the coach speak stuff. It's like 
I don't think that a lot of coach speak is necessarily a lie. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is just like true in a window of time. Like, yeah. Yep. I just think it's like very possible that Carol fully believes right now that like the plan is to not change the personnel groupings. And then I see a scenario where like if it's week two and JSN is like highest targets per route. Well, I know that he doesn't care about these stats, but highest good at football per route run, highest, like, whatever. Uh, like, I think the word you're looking for is a run blocking success rate. <laughs> right, I see. Um, well, they passed a good deal last year. I think people no, like, are, just, are overweighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, point is, if they like get out there in this week two and JSN is like clearly as good or better as DK and Lockett, but DK and Lockett are also still good, then they might just be like, well, we want to have them run all the routes and we don't want to take DK or Lockett off the field. So I guess we're going to play more 11. Like, I, I just think that, it's the kind of thing that might not be true at the top true now, but then becomes true later. And it's not that the coach speak was wrong. It was just like, it didn't prove Misplaced. to remain accurate. Um, in dynasty, all that's like kind of beside the point, I guess the only issue with, with like investing. Yeah. Like I'm solidly gives over JSN and dynasty because I think that they're both elite prospects, but I think one of them is like probably going to be a high level starter for your team this year. And one of them is probably not. Um, and to me, it's that, that simple where you'd go Gibbs, but yeah, I think JSN is, is a phenomenal prospect um, for sure. I think I I'm solidly him over Stroud and I could be talking to him over young. Uh, yeah. I was going to take a massive L on the CD lamb thing, but uh, Keenan scored 20.2 in 2015, only eight games played though. And, and outscored him in 2017, 17.8. I was gonna. I was gonna take that out. You still should. We're going to eat it up here. Okay, eight games played. You don't get, but you get the other one. All right, right. but it was close. It was. It was. If you exclude the eight games, it was dangerously seventeen point eight versus seventeen point five. So, so let's. uh, I'll take a partial. Seventeen point seven. Okay. I'm looking at PFR. I don't know. Uh, No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, seventeen point eight versus seventeen point seven. Okay, so congrats because he had point one in his best season of his illustrious career, which CD Lamb will beat this year. Yeah, <laughs> right, a win. So let's let's talk about his dynasty ADP, and I'll ask the question again. I won't do as many to make my point, but also when you're saying you take him over those quarterbacks, you don't have to because he's going significantly later. He is going ahead of one of Jacobs. If you were listening to his. Um, Dave Davis Maddock and, and Pat Corain episodes talking about a, an egregious dynasty wide receiver falling. Uh, JSN's now going ahead of Drake London. So I would love to hear the conversation for Drake London versus JSN, especially with, with Jacob pounding the table I mean, so hard just, for London. People are just so like out on Falcons. this Atlanta situation. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, like like I, I, I understand why, like, I don't think it's like, like I get why people are out on the Falcon situation. It like was terrible and it doesn't look like it's going to be good. It's just like, I don't know. I I understand why it's a hard sell because my case for like any Atlanta players basically look it, the base case is it's probably going to suck, but we shouldn't be so confident about the base case coming to fruition. So what if it doesn't? Um, And like, I don't think that the argument like, wins a lot of support um, amongst the populace, which I'm fine with because I want to be overweight Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Um, I mean, yeah, the argument for the best argument for Drake London as an asset to invest in is like, I think people go way too far with timing the market. Like I, I always people being like, I don't want to invest in this guy because this is going to happen. And this guy's going to be worth less in a year. I don't ever engage with market timing arguments. 
Um, I, if I think a guy is underpriced or overpriced based on where they currently are, then I'm buying or selling respectively because in order for the timing, the market to actually help me, I need to a be correct that that player's price is going to move in the way that I think it's going to move. Then I need to be correct about like actually wanting to do the thing that I said I was going to do after the fact. And I need to be able to actually do it. Like I need to actually then have like, even if his ADP is lower, like the actual human being, it's not an automated transfer machine, like has to then sell me Drake London at that ADP price. So similar to what I said about Drake Hall, like Drake London's 21 years old. He just posted a 29% target share. He posted over two yards per route run, despite some of the worst quarterback play we've ever seen um, in the 21st century. Uh, yeah. He was an eighth overall pick. Like he's just pretty obviously awesome. And DJ Moore, this is the best Drake London <laughs> argument. DJ Moore, who has never posted a season as impressive as the rookie season that Drake London posted at 21 years old, who has continually had horrendous quarterback play that he's been let down by. Currently, in his age 26 season, goes in the fifth round of Dynasty Startups, one round after Drake London. So if Drake London continues to play more or less at this level or even a little bit worse and continues to never post even close to a top 12 season because of terrible quarterback play for five more years, <laughs> he might drop one round in ADP. Oh man, that's such a good art. His, he's, he's definitely insulated, but I think the same, you could almost say the same for JSN. Like, I feel like even if JSN stumbles this year, there will be a lot of people forgiving them uh, because uh, his prospect was this good, his draft capital is this good. It could be Pete Carroll's fault. Tyler Lockett will be going away. Geno Smith won't be there forever. They can't run it that much all the time. I feel I feel like you're going to start seeing cases for JSN long term if he has a subpar rookie season as well. Scott, you're you seem to be anti Falcons. I don't want to just say that you're anti Falcons. It just feels your anti Falcons I mean, I, dynasty I, I, assets. I, I, JSN seems to have a murky kind of situation for battling for targets. They run the ball a lot. I'd, I'd love to hear your your take on this. Uh, I love Drake London and Dynasty. I love JSN and Dynasty, and uh, I'll grab both at ADP as much as I can. I really thought you'd be stronger one over the other. Nope. I really did. Thought about it? Nope. Just, just love them both. Don't make me pick between my babies. Can we just from here? Can we, of course, can we derail into want. the next like five wide receivers, and the next three tight ends? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna go Whatever. rapid what? fire. Solid five minutes on each of those, and then I got a soft out. Well, it's a soft out, so that means we got. Yeah, time. well, I originally I originally said I had a soft out at five thirty, which we're three minutes away from. So the soft out is getting lengthened to five forty. <laughs> All right, nice. All right, we'll see. See, Scott, not my fault this time. You can't <laughs> blame me for this. This isn't me. This is Jacob having a life. Okay. Yeah. Let's. How dare you? Li line them up however you would like. I know we did have somebody wanting to know about your Sam Laporta coach speak. Uh, there wasn't much coach speak on him. Um, but yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, we'll we'll start with tight ends. Uh, I know you feel strongly about this, but this is now consensus. Dalton Kincaid, tight end one. Uh, so who is your tight end two then? And like how I'd, far ahead is Kincaid? I'd also like to reiterate that your Kincaid undraftable, uh, statement that you made yesterday from underdog. That was yeah. I mean, his underdog nominal. price is just not good. Um, this doesn't make sense. It's making a little bit more sense by the day. It used to be worse. Um, 
yeah, I think I think Kincaid, like, it actually it really sucks because I originally had Kincaid tight end one going into the pre going into the draft. What um, was your basis for that? The basis was just like there are basically three ways for a tight end to hit like really elite value. And like if you're investing in a tight end to me in a rookie draft, you're investing for a potentially elite future because if you're drafting like a guy who's going to be the tight end eight, he's probably not going to be that as a rookie. Um, and the tight end eight also just doesn't really matter that much. So ultimately I think the goal of drafting a rookie tight end is like you're swinging for the fences and realistically, like the paths for that are you either want a guy who can earn the type of air yard share, uh, like a Mark Andrews archetype, a Kyle Pitts archetype. You want that George Kittle archetype of the after the catch guy, or you want to be playing in a really high end offensive environment where you're able to score a bunch of touchdowns. Um, and Dalton Kincaid, like none, none of these tight ends are, are perfect in that regard, but Kincaid, we, I know we don't have athletic testing, but he was the one guy who was able to win more downfield where like, I could see myself looking at like, this is a guy who's going to be 20% target share, 30% air yard share type of asset. Whereas like Mayer and Laporta were really low ADOT players What's interesting about Laporta is that he does have the after the catch ability that was really phenomenal and he does have the athleticism. So I think you can talk yourself into the after the catch upside. You can talk yourself into some potentially downfield upside if he's used differently. I just thought Mayer was like a really soft tight end one pick by the community in that he profiles as the least likely to miss. But I think that like you're hard pressed to paint a picture of how Michael Mayer is like, the elite guy. Like he kind of has to follow like a Zach Ertzian path, which is just like a hard needle to thread. Um, and so <laughs> I, I wanted to be like below consensus on mayor. Didn't work out that way. Then Kincaid goes to the nut landing spot. Mayor goes to the black hole. Um, and I think I've actually drafted a little bit more mayor just because Kincaid, like I've seen Kincaid pretty consistently in my drafts, like usurp flowers and occasionally even usurp Johnson. And, and that's too rich for my blood for a tight end prospect who I like, but is ultimately pretty imperfect. Whereas Mayer falls into this bucket where he's going against a bunch of running backs I don't care about. So, yeah, love it. Uh, everything you said, great. Uh, how many tight end premium leagues are a percentage of your total leagues? It's like probably like probably like eighty five. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Nice. That's the way it should be. Yeah, it's definitely the way to go. I, I think Kincaid. There's. Um, I know Zoltan Mike was referencing that he yeah, sees Kincaid. Kincaid finishing in, in, as a Pat Farmuth esque uh, season. I don't see that. I think his, I think his values crept high. I'd much rather, I had Mayer as my tight end one. Um, I, I mean, in your I defense, that's like process. super easy is you just look at the stuff that everyone yeah. cares about, the predictive yeah. metrics and yeah. it's there. He was basically tied with Kincaid, just like, uh, to be fair for in, in my stuff, but um, did definitely cave to consensus, had a pre-draft tight end one. Now it's like, if I'm being really yeah. honest, like I could, I could him and Laporta are just basically the same to me because if you look at um, Laporta's profile versus his is like Laporta had way worse quarterback play. I think Iowa had like three total passing touchdowns all of last year. Uh, he so also say three total pass attempts. <laughs> right, right. It's 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 also um, uh, 
higher level of difficulty routes. He was in ISO far more often, in man coverage far more often, tougher competition. And then if you factor that in, like his career yards per route run is actually like significantly uh, or at least slightly better than than Mayer's. Um, and yeah, everything else you said too. Uh, I just don't think I just don't think Kincaid deserves a two round bump from Mayer, and he does definitely doesn't deserve a three round bump from Laporta. Uh, he's on the Bills. He's he's on the Bills. No, I know. I'm just saying. I don't. I just don't think it's justified at all. But he's on the. Bill. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, I'm more into Kincaid. I'm I'm more likely to draft Kincaid in the context of a startup than I am in a rookie draft for sure. Because in a rookie draft, he just mm. goes in such an awkward spot where it's like. I'm never going to take him until the 110 because I think there's a really sharp drop off after Flowers. Like, I'm kind of a Flowers guy. Um, what? So, like to me, it's like there's wow. a clear nine. You're a and Flowers then and a always guy? goes ten. Yeah, I'm. I'm a like I view these guys independent of each other. Like I think it's just like there's a lot of what, range of what 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 was encouraging about the Zay Flowers profile? Productive? Nah, not really. Earns <laughs> targets. Producer in college, Did he? early breakout. Not really. Like, I don't think he's like an awesome player, but I think that he's he was been unfairly docked. His production is entirely in line with Quentin Johnston's. Not at all. He, he, yes, it is. Uh, it was more. It was very sky mid esque. It there, oh. there, he was exceptional at nothing that's important or predictive. Uh, I was playing around with this. I didn't tweet it out, but I came dangerously close. Uh, the my working comp for Zay Flowers was Alex. Amidon, if college football references height on him was accurate. Alex Amidon was the Boston College wide receiver who joined the Navy SEALs. CFBR has him listed at 5'3". I think he's actually six foot. Uh, but yeah, there was just, to me, nothing encouraging about the pro- – and like it was shocking to hear analytics people hype him up because it was just mid and every – like stack him up against Marvin Mims, yikes. There's... So three seasons over two yards per team pass attempt. Quentin Johnson's peak yards per team pass attempt slightly higher because Flowers played in a no. You have to adjust for, for games missed. No, you just... don't. It's less predictive if you adjust for games missed. If you do, just look at games played though, and that is with how would that, that be is less predicted? It is on the it is on the whole, but I do adjust for games played. And yes, if you do adjust for games played, it's a very small gap. Like okay, but this stat is, is also far less predictive than yards per Zay route Flowers run. Two point four five. Where QJ smashes him, and then Zay Flowers higher percentage, higher receiving yards market share overall, which gives some credit back to Zay Flowers for playing in a way worse quarterback situation than almost anyone. His profile stacks up quite nicely against like a Jahan Dotson profile, which is another profile that a lot of people did not like particularly. Like I, Zay Flowers was also for a, a smaller guy. He was able to win inside and outside. You look at a lot of the Matt Harmon stuff on separation, like he blows Quentin Johnson under the water. Um, and I, I think like I had Zay Flowers ahead of Quentin Johnson coming into the draft. I've adjusted that on landing spot because I don't think it was a small, I had it as a very small gap between three and four and I'd way rather take Herbert's. But like if, if Zay Flowers went to the Chargers, he'd be my wide receiver too. Like I view him, Johnson and Addison as like a trio who I take Addison first, then Johnson, then Flowers. But I, I can't justify Kincaid over Flowers in terms of I have more confidence in that player. And then, like, you can only take Kincaid at 10. Like, he's either not making it to 10, but he's never making it after 10 in a tight end premium. So it's hard to get him in rookie drafts. But I'm not, I don't know. I don't, I'm also, it's not like I think Flowers is like awesome. It's more that I'm pretty anti Johnston. Um, 
versus the market. And I see them both as like kind of 50, 50 prospects. Addison, I think is a lot cleaner than both. Uh, all right. So QJ versus flowers, uh, best season yards per route run. QJ was 97 percentile flowers was 82nd age adjusted. It was 98th percentile versus 91st, uh, yards after the catch per reception. It was 96th percentile versus 76th, which is quite poor, uh, yard yardage market share, touchdown market share, uh, very overrated analytics, uh, and still very, uh, that I guess that would be the one thing you could argue for him. And then there's obviously the height, the athleticism, the arm length, uh, which are just clear, massive red flags. And I also thought you were an early declare guy. He's, he's not an early declare. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, it's a little bit of a knock. Um, but I've definitely been like, I wrote about flowers a lot and about the early declare signal and, I care about it a little bit. Like if he was an if he was an early declare, I would have him as like the clear wide receiver three in the class versus like originally when I had a pre-draft was like Addison was the clear two and then Flowers and Johnson almost in a tie um, that got broken with landing spot. I think the senior declare, as we've seen more of these senior wide receivers have success, like I think like we have to be somewhat fluid to it. And where I'm at with it now is like, I still would always rather than be an early declare, but I'm more open-minded to the seniors who have early production and where their senior season isn't really the one boosting the profile. Like Flowers has basically been the same guy since year two, like your, his year two, year three, and year four are not that different. Um, I don't, like, I would rather have seen him declared but I don't really mind that he didn't in the sense that like, I, it's not like he like just came onto the scene in year four. Like he didn't like, I know Hyatt was not an early declare, but I'm just using him as the example of like a guy who like did nothing, did nothing. And then he had this massive year, like flowers has basically been the same dude since year two. So it's like a, it's a small thing, but it's not everything for me. Like, well, you know where I check in on this. I I think it's a a double counting of draft capital, but like in his defense and like I did argue in his defenses per sources, he had late day two grades and like, obviously he improved on that, but like day two grades as a junior. Part of that's just the class, right? Like this was a way weaker wide receiver class. Like every wide receiver in it benefited from being a part of it versus if they had come out last year. It's also that we're in the NIL era. So that changes things. Mm. And also that he has said publicly multiple times, like he wanted to graduate uh, because he was the first person in his family, which includes 13 siblings to graduate from college. But yeah, he he also stinks. That's the other. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's a great point, Sky, because I think the last time you were here arguing with Sky, one of the, uh, or uh, against Sky was one of the arguments we made Jacob and I both so heavily was the uh, early declare status with production. And I think what, and we had a great example of it just now uh, progressing in fantasy is adjusting one's uh, uh, process. And we just well, literally look, got a lot of that. The prophecy always was for Sky Moore that of these group of five wide receivers, he was a one for one comp with Devonte Adams. And we all know how Devonte Adams career started. So we're not giving up. <laughs> Oh, I think, oh baby. I think that's a great spot to end this on. This was but... like this whole like sky equals Devante thing started out as a bit because I like did this deep dive into like group of five players and whether like there was like independent signal of group of five players versus like 
the regular stuff we look at, like the production, the breakout year, the early declare, all that stuff. And like my conclusion was like, frankly, we don't have enough of a sample of like early declare, early breakout group of five players to say that it should be worse. But like all things being equal, I guess you'd rather than not be group of five. Um, but like one of the takeaways was like basically the only profile like for, of these group of five players statistically that looked like Sky was like Devontae's because almost all these other group of five guys like either didn't get any draft capital or they were late declares, they were late breakouts. Um, so that became like a bit. Um, and then of course, Devontae is like the most famous like face planter who actually turned out to be awesome. So the candle remains on for our boys. Right, wait, wait till you hear this segue. I had something like that, but about a different prospect okay. who comes from the FCS where his best comps are, I don't know, Cooper Cup, Jerry Rice, and that would be Christian Ron Watson. The yeah, I mean, I'm in on Christian Watson now. Um, it can, the roller coaster continues. Like, I was out on Watson as a prospect. I was like kind of surprised that the market didn't react more to his landing spot. And so I got a little bit. Um, and then like the market just got, like went way out for like silly reasons. Right. Like it was a key, like pulled a hamstring and then didn't really play. And everybody like, I literally saw him dropped in an analyst dynasty league. Like he was just sent <laughs> on waivers in like week wow. three. Um, and like he was just freely available. So then I traded for him a ton with no belief that he was good. Like I, it was purely just like a process, like, the market became seven times as confident this guy's ass overnight, even though we've probably received like <laughs> 1.2 times the amount of confirmation that he's bad. Um, and then I just got extremely lucky that he turned out to be pretty good. And then he stayed like, I thought really undervalued in like January and February. His value's come up a lot where I think he's fairly valued. Where, where do you think, where are you on Watson now? Are you all systems go or? Uh, I've been debating writing him up from a redraft perspective to go just all in just all like he just breaks leaks this year like i think that's in the range of outcomes it is in the range of outcomes he's a he's a like i i'm happy where i am which is like i'm currently a little bit over the market on christian watson but i would be terrified to fade him like i i think it's stunning that people are are full fading him but I, I would feel quite uneasy if I was like, I'm a 30% Christian Watson exposure guy this year. I, well, I'm, I'm not a film guy, but to me, when I watch his film, it's like a really raw Randy Moss. And I know like I, I should go to jail gonna... for saying that, but it's like the things he does well, like I've only ever seen Randy Moss do just like glide effortlessly across the field, housing, you know, short dump offs. I, I think he's like a rare rare talent from from scott barrett on july 6th chris 6th christian watson reminds me a lot of randy moss in a craig cosell voice now i don't mean to say that watson is already as talented as randy moss moss is arguably the greatest wide receiver ever i just mean stylistically uh i'm most reminded of moss when watching watson safe to say he's head over tea kettle you had to do the Greg Cassell voice. Yeah, I yeah. Can't. Greg is famous for like disclaimers on like he's so scared to give out a, a hot take. But yeah, I, uh, I mean, he's not Randy Moss, but but yeah, very bullish. I made sure it had it pulled up. I'm curious how how did you feel about Chase Claypool after his rookie year? Yeah, I was not on him just because like I thought he stunk as a prospect, and I just like okay. was stubborn, so I, I stayed on that. Okay. 
and it worked out. I mean, you read yeah. the tea leaves and they read correctly. Cause it, cause so I mean, gonna... like, again, like the Christian Watson prospect profile, like he, in 2021, he averaged the sixth most yards per route run of over 4,000 qualifying wide receiver seasons in PFF college history. And like, I'm a big, you know, pound the table for yards per route run over yards per team pass attempt guy. He did look way worse by yards per team pass attempt, but, um, and then he had the athleticism. Did you too, like, like, did you like Tony's prospect profile at all? I, it was like the Mingo thing where I, you mm-hmm. know, I saw projected draft capital coming where it was. And like, I tried to sell myself on it. Uh, I don't know, but I, now I love him now. In. Now you're, what about you? What about you? Is it, is it just like, stuck Oh, in? I thought Tony totally stunk as a prospect, but then he went in the first round and people still didn't want to draft him until like the two Oh eight and Ricky draft. So I took some, cause like, I don't know, I'm always willing to be open to the possibility I'm wrong. And then, and I mean, then his per route stats have been like insanely good and everybody still thinks he sucks. So I, I have just so much Tony in dynasty. Yeah, my bags are are all in on Tony, but yeah, I don't think his prospect <laughs> profile was any good at all. Ah, uh, this is so good. You know what today has felt like? I really felt like Scott wanted just an excuse to get into Jacob's ear for like two hours, and full tilt was the vessel. Uh, this has just been absolutely phenomenal, Scott. We mentioned. Well, I've last been complaining night. this whole time. I'm like, dude, like I, you let Dynasty rookie season pass the draft pass i didn't get to pick jacob's brain on the rookies and you're like no sorry we have more important guests oh yeah i'll pull up receipts scott of you telling me you're too busy i will get the receipts and i will post them i'm a receipt finder i'll do it i'm petty uh look jacob's got a life that he has to go and get to i got a picnic to get to but (laughs) scott it's so sweet for any full tilt that doesn't know what you're doing, what are you doing, and and what can they look forward to next week? At uh, Scott Barrett, DFB on Twitter. I'll I'll let you know. bunch of bunch of stuff. Lots of good stuff at the fantasypoints.com. Jacob, uh, you are getting harassed in every Discord I can see about podcasts and write ups. What do you have for him? Yeah, um, you you can find my work and work on thinking about thinking, which is just my name, jacobsanderson.substack.com. Um, my most recent posts are in my two uh, two parts, my best ball rankings, um, the rankings are for paid subs, but I also have a nice long preamble goes through a, basically my strategy at like every single point in the draft, why a lot of thoughts on the best ball economy this year um, and how that's changed, how I typically draft my teams. Hint, hint, I actually draft running backs before round eight this year. So that's a big change for me. Um, Proud of you. And uh and uh, then, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll be back on the podcast, Brian, this coming week. I'll be back with Drew on Sutton Bullets. We're going to do our mailbag episode for the Dynasty Rankings podcast series that I've been doing with Pat and Davis. Um, and then I'm going to be starting out a, a morning best ball uh, pod. I'm going to be jumping onto Ron Stewart's uh, video channel every week or two. Um, to do a best ball draft with him um, for some morning drafters out there. I'll be on there frequently. Love that. And of course, we'll be dialed right back in here next week. Uh, people have been asking. Billy is okay. Tom Lee is okay. Lucas is okay. Life is just getting hectic. Uh, they'll be back as soon as they can. Much love for everyone watching. Look, this is a fantastic time. Everyone have a safe and happy Friday evening. I'll see you on the Twitch streets 
El Nostra Thomas over there. We'll be talking a lot this weekend. We'll see you next week. And remember that clear eyes, full hearts can never lose your best days. Well, goddamn, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. 